as well. So I, I want to uh, continue on with this series I started two weeks ago about Joseph. I, I love Joseph. Joseph is a great Bible character, um, and I've learned so much from him. But just kind of because it's been a couple of weeks, just to step back a little bit. You remember we talked about the fact that Joseph uh, came from a really dysfunctional family. I mean, a really, really dysfunctional family. And as we move through this story, uh, you're going to see that. Uh, and I'm going to apologize because I'm because of the, the sinus thing with this. I'm going to have to blow my nose a little bit. Um, so he comes from this crazy dysfunctional family. Uh, he's being dressed up like he's in royalty and all of that. His dad spoils him, uh, all of the problems with that. But kind of the, the message that came out of that that I kind of want to say again to you uh, this week uh, is this. Um, God has not chosen you because you have it all together. I just want to pause right there. I hope none of you think God has chosen you because you're so talented that God needs your help. Okay. <laughs> God does not need your help, okay? God has not chosen you because you have it all together. Maybe he chose you because you don't have it together and he wants to show what he can do with so little. Amen? Amen. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe it's because you're not talented that God has chosen you, but God has chosen you and he wants to use you in some powerful ways. Uh, and, and then I'd kind of said to you, the only thing Joseph really has going for him, this will be all through this series, is his willingness to keep following God. No matter what went on, his willingness to keep following God. And so the question I want to ask you this morning is this. Have you ever been betrayed? Anybody just want to raise your hand? Uh, maybe the person who betrayed you is next to you, so don't raise your hand for that. But, um, but if, I, I have. And, and, and the problem with betrayal is it's a different kind of wound than almost any other wound. Because in order for someone to betray you, they have to be close to you. They, they have to matter to you. They have to have somebody that, that's supposed to have your back. And they, they have your secrets. There's someone you're supposed to be able to trust. And so it's in many ways, the worst wounds that happen to us are wounds of betrayal. When somebody we trusted betrays us and lets us down. And, 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 and that's, that's just one of the deepest, darkest, most difficult things for us. And the story we want to talk about this morning with uh, uh, Joseph is in Genesis 37, 19 through 36. And it's a story of betrayal. It's a story of betrayal at the very deepest levels. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there or on your smartphones or however you do that. I will put scripture up on, on the screen. And so um, what's going on in this story, let me tell you part of it and we'll read part of it, is you'll remember uh, Joseph in, two weeks ago, uh, one of the things that Joseph did was he tattled on his older brothers. He is younger, maybe 17. His brothers are older and they care for the flocks. And, and so they, they would go out and care for the flocks and take them, shepherds would take them often hundreds of miles away in order to find good places for them to eat. Uh, and dad would send younger brother to go check up on the brothers and he came back and he gave a bad report. Now, you can imagine how happy that made the older brothers. And so this story begins with that same situation. The flocks have been sent out, and, and uh, Dad sends uh, Joseph to go check up on the older brothers. They're about 100 miles north of where they live, so it's a pretty long trip to get there. Uh, and, and as it turns out, the brothers are out there with the sheep, and they see their younger brother Joseph with his very fancy coat that means he is royalty. We told you sometimes it's the coat of many colors. That's probably not a great translation. But it probably did have color in it and all those sorts of things. And they can see him coming a mile away. And they're like, uh-oh, here comes Joseph. Guess what's going to happen now? He's going to come and tell us all how to do it. Then he's going to go home and give dad a bad report. In fact, let's look at the scripture in this case. It says, here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him 
Isn't this a great family? Let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. We're going to show him when we kill him, okay? And so, again, I cannot emphasize to you enough, dysfunctional family, right? Okay, well, you, go, you guys are all thinking your family's dysfunctional. If nobody's plotting to kill anybody else, you're ahead of Joseph, okay? You're, you're, just, you're just good with all of that. And so... Um, Reuben, the oldest brother, who was actually in charge of the family, uh, decides to, to try and kind of misdirect them a little bit because he's not really thrilled about the idea of having to tell dad that the younger brother has, has died. And so uh, Reuben, again, the oldest brother, goes on to say, when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, okay? Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern. And by the way, these were just giant pots where they kept water, and they're very, very, very deep. Um, Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. Uh, and so uh, they, they do that. They, they toss him in. And th there's a little thing that goes on if I'd read more of this scripture where they, they, they take his cloak from him. And one of the things that you're going to learn uh, about this whole story, one of the uh, Hebrew his, uh, literary devices is this idea of clothing tells people who you are. And so with Joseph, you start with the, the robe of royalty. And now they literally strip him of that and throw him in the cistern. And so they take away his identity uh, functionally when they, when they do it. And, uh, and they take away all of his power. They take away uh, everything that, that, that could matter to him in, in all of this. Um, and so what, what I, what I want to kind of bring out here, and this is one of the things where I love how Scripture is brutally honest, okay? I, I think preachers do disservice uh, to God's Word when they kind of clean it up and make it sound like it's all, oh, everything is wonderful, we're serving God, we go from victory to victory. If you walked with the Lord more than about two months, you know we don't go from victory to victory. We go from struggle to struggle to struggle, oh, victory, struggle, 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 victory, ooh, Am I the only one that experiences that? You all go for, okay, just wanted to make sure. And, and so let me just say, the scripture is just really clear about this. Joseph is betrayed by the very family that was supposed to protect him. This is the essence of betrayal. The brothers that were supposed to help him were the ones that, that, that betrayed him, that should have had, had his back. And, and, and so what, what happens next in all of this is he's in the cistern and he's trying to figure this out. The coat is gone. His identity is gone. you got to be thinking he's down there going, hey guys, this isn't funny anymore. Get, get me out of here. You know, I, I'm going to tell dad. You know, Don't you think he said that somewhere in that, that process? Because, well, eventually some traitors come along and... Uh, and um, and Judah, who, who is the, the brother that, that eventually a lot of what Jews today come from that tribe, um, says, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I got a better idea than killing him. Why don't we make a buck on this? Let's sell him into slavery. And so they're all like, yeah, that's a better idea. See how much better these brothers are? They were going to kill him. Now all they're going to do is sell him into slavery, you know? And so they, they haul him up out of there, and they give him to the traders, and the traders take him, and he doesn't have his cloak anymore, and, and, and haul him off uh, away into, into slavery. And I, I want, want you to get an idea for what's happening. Your, your clothing are your identity. So now imagine that you are lost in a third world country, and you don't have your driver's license, and you don't have any credit cards, and you don't have your passport, and you don't have identity of any kind, and somebody says in that place, those people have been stealing from me, and they point their finger right at you, and you don't even know the language. 
And they go off and they drag you off and they toss you into a third world country jail and you have no idea, an ID on you and nobody knows where you were at. You see the problem for Joseph? He's been sold into slavery and there is no way out. He can't prove that he's the son of, uh, of a great leader back there, of a, of a rich man who would be happy to reward them. It's a, it's a horrifying story for him. And off he gets hauled and, and it says this, in fact, 37. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph to Egypt and to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Meanwhile, like it's just ah, another sidelight to the story. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph into Egypt to Potiphar, one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. And so now the story is that he's gone from being sold to the Midianites to now he has been sold into Egypt, this place far, far away where he probably doesn't speak the language. And there's a whole other story about Potiphar and his family and what happens. You got to come back next week, okay? Because the story of Potiphar and Potiphar's wife, it's not about what you think it's about, okay? It's a, it's a great story. By the way, we're going to have a, I will shoot that, that sermon tomorrow, 7 o'clock here at the church. If you want to be a part of the live studio audience, uh, come and be a part of it. It's great to have a few live people to, to pre preach to uh, when I do this. So, uh, come back next week for that. So the, here's the question. What, what do we do with this story, though, of, of, of being caught and, and thrown in the cistern and betrayed uh, and then stripped of all of his identity and sold to the Midianites and then finally sold into Egypt? And the story that this teaches us, and this is the brutality of the honesty of Scripture, is this. Even those who are supposed to protect you will betray you. Yay, amen, praise God. Have a little charismatic moment here. Don't you hate it when Scripture's brutally honest? You know, when it just says stuff that it, it's hard for us to get our heads around. But, but the truth of the matter is, if you live long enough, you will probably be betrayed. In fact, I, one of the, the deepest betrayals in my life happened as a child, and I remember it. I remember it in every detail to this, to this day. And that was long, long, long time ago. It's a hard biblical truth. But, but honestly... In some ways, it's not particularly surprising. You do not have to read Scripture to know that it is possible for you to be betrayed. Amen? You just live enough life, and that'll happen. So, so the real question here, the real teaching of this is not that people will betray you. But the, the, the real teaching, the important lesson in this, actually happens with, with Joseph and with his experience. Imagine again what it is for him. He has been given a great gift God has given him these dreams and God is moving and he, he's been clothed with power and all of this. And, and sure, his, his brothers have betrayed him and, and done, done all of that. But here's the real question for Joseph. What do you do when God betrays you? God, you said I was going to rule over them. God, you sent me dreams that they would bow down to me. God, you clothed me with the, the, the robes of a king and you put me in charge and you gave me this great gift. And beyond that, now get this from Joseph's perspective, not from the perspectives of the son, from the brothers. I had courage. And I knew my brothers were not going to want to hear the message that one day they would bow down to me, but I spoke the truth to them. What do you do when you do what God wants you to do and it feels like God betrays you? That's the question of Joseph. And I would be willing to bet that if we were to take a poll across this place, 
Many of you have had experiences where you wondered if God had betrayed you. Where you wondered if God had let you down. God, you promised and then this happened. God, I I did what you wanted me to do and then it all fell apart. And not only is none of that ever going to happen for him because he's he's in slavery, he's never getting out of slavery. You do not get out of slavery in that kind of a time. You see, I, I think Joseph made one of those mistakes that I made a lot when I was an early follower of Jesus. And, and that's this. Joseph probably thought that there was going to be a straight line between God's promise and God's fulfillment. When I, when I was young, God promised what he was going to do in my life, and I knew he was calling me to preach. And then he sent me into the grocery business, which is really close to slavery, let me tell you. <laughs> And every time I tried to get out, it couldn't get out. And everything I did, and by the time I got all done with it, I had a 15-year career in the grocery business that I didn't want. Because I just thought God was going to say, Craig, I'm calling you to preach. Stand up. You're the next Billy Graham. By the way, you haven't fulfilled on that one either yet. And I think for a lot of us, we think that that's the way it should go. God promised God, God, you said, if I would do this, you would do that. And we think there's this straight line. I don't know about you, but it doesn't seem to work like that. Amen? Sometimes it feels like God does bait and switch. Sometimes it feels like God is cruel in the midst of it. Why am I suffering even when I do what you want me to do, Lord? I don't understand. The truth of the matter, some of you right now are objecting. This has made you uncomfortable. Because I'm talking about God. Like God has betrayed you. You're like, God doesn't betray you. Can can I offer you something? I I want you to live like Joseph for a minute. Let me just do a quick survey. How many of you know the end of the story of Joseph? Yeah, see, that's your problem. (laughs) Here's the problem for Joseph. Joseph did not know the end of the story. When you are a slave in Potiphar's house, it looks like God is never going to come through for you. Amen? And if you're honest, you've lived in that moment. The truth of the matter is we we read the end of the story and so we, we find these stories to be really safe because we know in the end God wins. Praise God. But we don't allow ourselves to live in that moment that Joseph lives in. And here's here's what I know about this. If you walk with God long enough, you are going to go through a time when all of the evidence will point to the conclusion that God has betrayed and abandoned you. I have. I have. I've had that moment. I've had that moment several times in my life, in my walk with Jesus Christ. And I would be willing to bet that if we were honest, we would many of you would say that you've had that too. In fact, let me let me do what my dad used to say. He's given up preaching and gone to meddling. Maybe you're walking in that moment right now. Maybe right now there's something going on in your life and you're saying, God, this was not the plan. This is, this is not the way I thought it was going to turn out. You said, and if I would raise my kids in the way they should go, they, and they are far from God. You promised that I would love my spouse, that we would have a wonderful marriage, and, and we're talking about a divorce. You, you promised if my business would honor you that, that, that you would honor my business and, and we're going to have to shut this thing down. You, you, if you walk with the Lord long enough, that's the hard truth of Scripture. That's the hard truth of Joseph's story. 
In fact, I think that one of the most, well, let me just say it like this. One of the most important functions of Bible stories is to remind us that God has not yet written the final chapter of our lives. And God has not yet written the final, you know the final chapter of Joseph's life. That's why it's easy to read this scripture. But the truth of the matter is, you don't know the final chapter of your life. And you're in this dark moment and it seems like slavery for you. It seems like everything's going wrong. But you don't know what God's going to write at the end of the story. Amen? None of you are clairvoyant. None of you know. None of you can see over the horizon or around the corner. Only God can do that. And God is still writing your story. Just as God was still writing Joseph's story. So somebody tell me, what's the end of this whole giant story? Oh, you all said you knew the ending. Uh-huh. He becomes second only to Pharaoh, and he means to save his whole family. That's a pretty good ending. But when you don't know that, it's hard and it's difficult. Who knows what the ending of your story is? God is still writing your story. In fact, the only way that you, get, you know that the ending of your story happens is when someone like me stands over your grave and says nice things about you. That's the end of your story. And maybe just a word of encouragement... For many of you, that will not be the end of your story. My dad has been gone for over a decade, and people still come to me and say, you have no idea how much impact your dad had on my life. Our stories go on and on and on and all of that. Maybe God is going to make you the ruler of Egypt. Okay, maybe not, but, you know, God has not finished your story yet. In the moment of betrayal, God is still with you in all of this. In fact, the real problem is the in the story isn't that his brothers betrayed him. The real problem is the gap between what God promised and what Joseph was experiencing. And can I tell you that's the gap that you're experiencing? The gap between what God has promised to do. I, I love it. We, preachers like me, we all stand up here and say, God has a wonderful plan for your life. And you become a follower of Jesus and it gets hard. We should start out by saying God has a wonderful plan for your life, but it's going to hurt a lot. <laughs> Praise God. Come to the altar now, you know. Because that's the truth of the matter. That life and following Christ is hard and sometimes it's difficult. But here's the truth. It's worth it. That there is an ending that God has written that no one can, can, can write a way out of that. That even in, those difficult, dark, dark, even in those difficult dark times, God is with you. And God was with Joseph in, in all of that. And that, that little thing about Potiphar's house, if you know the end of the story, that's a story of promise, isn't it? Because it's a part of what God's going to do to redeem him. But you don't know the end of the story. You don't know the end of your story. And I am here to tell you that God is still writing your story. No, I can do this all day, okay? I got lots of that. We started early, so we can go to 12 o'clock just on this, Okay. Okay, God is still writing your story. Yeah. Amen. So here's the question for us. What do you do when it feels like God has betrayed and abandoned you? That's the question, isn't it? That's the practical application. Truth of the matter, though, is it doesn't even have to be as deep as that. Sometimes it just feels like God has disappointed you. I'll bet you if I said, how many of you felt like God has disappointed you? Everybody would raise their hand who's walked with the Lord very long. I, sometimes it's just the things that don't go the way they think they should, the promises that it doesn't seem to be coming true. And the question then is, what do we do? Do we throw up our hands and quit on God? You know, do we wash our hands of the whole thing? 
I'm going to go to church a little bit less, read my Bible a little less. And so all of our emotions say, and, and this is just basic psychology, when we get disappointed, our temptation is to step back. Is it not? The friends that disappoint you, I'm going to run into stuff here, step back. You know, the people at church that disappoint you, you step back. The pastor that disappoints you, you step back. And we just step back and we step back and we step back and we step back. You see, the story of Joseph is this, that he never stepped back. He stepped forward. He leaned into what God would have him to do. And so I will say what I said to you the first time and I will say all through this sermon series is this. The only thing Joseph had going for him was the willingness to keep pursuing God no matter the circumstances. When everything said step back, he stepped forward in all of this. In fact, Scripture calls this faith. Say faith. Faith. Wow, that's not very good for a bunch of Christ followers. Let's say this again. Is that a new word to you? Because faith. Say faith. 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 Faith, yeah. See, faith isn't something you use to manipulate God. You know, if I just have enough faith, I'll get God to do what I want him to do. Faith is following God when it feels like you should step back. Faith is stepping forward when you want to move away from that. And, and then, then for many of you, you've, you've personalized this, and so I'm just going to get real personal at this point and tell you with my own spiritual journey, here is how I define faith. Faith equals I trust God. If you've been following my Facebook posts through this journey, I, I, I try to end all of them when they talk about the cancer with slash or hash or pound. What do we call that, Mark, that's in front of that? Hashtag, yeah. When I was growing up, that was a pound sign. Sorry, okay. <laughs> Dating myself here. Hashtag, I trust God. Say, I trust God. Say, hashtag, I trust God. Yeah. And it's not that I trust him to do what I want him to do. Because I have walked with the Lord long enough to know that he doesn't always do what I want him to do. But it is to say that I trust God whether he does what I want him to do or whether he doesn't. Whether my life expectancy is two years or 20 years, I trust God. And just like Joseph, I don't have a whole lot to offer. The only thing I have to offer is willingness. And my prayer in these days is here I am, Lord. If you will extend my life, I will use it for you. That's it. That's the whole ball of wax. And that has given me such insight into Joseph in these moments and in these struggles to step towards God. Now, I want to do an action step. How many of you have your phones with you this morning? Get out your phone. And um, I, I want you to go to your Facebook page or your, um, what are the other pages you have out there? Instagram or what do you have to, and, and, and I, want, I want you to just put on there a pound, I mean hashtag, <laughs> I trust God. But that is ju it's just your thing and that's it. I, I just, oops, I think I did it. There, I, ju I just did it on mine. Would you just do that? Would you all just check in at Generations Community this morning and just check in with I trust God? That, you, you know, you're going, oh, this is a silly story. But it's an easy way to tell all of your friends about God. This is the church I go to and the sermon we heard this morning came down to this, I trust God. I trust God. So here it is. Let me give it for you. Check in at Generation 784 with I Trust God. And you know what? I think I didn't do it at Generation 784. So you'll just have to. But on my webpage, it says that. It lets people know what's going on in all of that. So let me push in a little further now. 
Y'all got, you got that done yet? Everybody got that up there? So let me ask the hard question this morning. With what do you need to trust God this morning? With what do you need to trust him? What is the thing that's going... For, for Joseph, he needed to trust God with, with slavery. Can I just tell you what this looks like for me? My life's gotten reduced and gotten real simple. I trust God with my future. I don't know how long it is. I don't know where it's going, but I trust God with my future. Somebody say amen. And maybe that's not what it is for you. Maybe what you need to trust God with this morning is your kids. Maybe they're far from God. Maybe they're going a long way, and you can't control them. Have you noticed when they become adults, you cannot control them? You just can't. See, the I trust God is always about something I can't control. Maybe you need to say, I trust God with my marriage. Because although you came to church this morning and it looks all good on the outside, you know on the inside it's rotting and falling apart. You're not sure how long it's going to last. I trust God with my marriage. Maybe you need to trust God with your business. You started the business in faith and you knew that this is what God wanted you to do. And then it's all begun to fall apart and you need to say, I trust God with my business. Maybe it's your retirement. You got into retirement, you thought it's going to, and you've looked at it and it's not going to. And now you're thinking about another job. I trust God with my retirement. Maybe, maybe it's your health. Maybe you're struggling with something physical. You need to say, I trust God with my health. I don't know what the future holds. Can I get really personal? Maybe you need to say, I trust God with my depression. Ooh, pastor, don't talk about that. That's not spiritual. You know, I believe depression has, is, a, is a chemical health sort of thing. I'm not, but you got to trust God with what God hands you, amen? And if you have depression this morning, you can trust God with your depression. Or you can trust God with whatever the diagnosis is. Maybe it's something else in that realm. Maybe it's mental illness. I trust God with my mental illness. I trust God with my physical or chronic pain. Most of you know my wife has spent a great deal of her life in chronic pain. It is very, very hard. But I trust God with the pain. I trust God with the pain. Amen? Whatever that looks like in your life. Maybe it's the finances. I, I, I don't know. And I've left a little time in this service deliberately this morning. Up on the altar here, we have a bunch of these little sheets of paper. They're, they're, they're really fancy. They, they have a hashtag, I trust God with my, and then there's a line to be filled in in there. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to offer you the opportunity as we sing and we're going to worship the Lord in giving. But if there's something you really need to trust God with, would you just get up out of your seat and walk down here and take a, bring a pen, because I'm not sure we have a lot of pens, and do what I'm going to do. Mine says, I trust God with my future. I'm going to fold it in half, and there's a bucket on either side over here, and stick it in there. And then this week, I am going to pull every one of those out of there and pray over them individually. And when we're all done praying with all of them, I'm going to burn them. Maybe I'll shoot a picture of them. And we are just going to let that be an offering, a burnt offering. We don't really do that these days, but this is the one exception. A burnt offering of sacrifice to praise that says, Lord, I trust you no matter what. I trust you when I get to wear the golden robe of royalty. And I trust you when I'm a slave in Potiphar's house. I 
trust God. Amen. Look to your neighbor and say, I trust God. And this finally, we often struggle with trusting God in the present because we believe we were betrayed. He betrayed us in the past. Maybe as uh, the musicians would come here in just a minute, and, and again, we're going to worship the Lord in giving in all of this, and you can give online. Woohoo! And, and, and I, let me tell you, I, I am chairman of the board. The finances are important in this church, okay? But getting right with God's more important. And trusting God with your future is more important than any of that. And so with all of that movement going on, this is the most important thing in, in all of it. And so for maybe some of you, there's something in the past where you just need to say to the Lord, Lord, you betrayed me. You let me down. But honestly, I stepped back when that happened. And this morning you've been talking to me and I want to step forward. And so if some of our pastors would come as well and our elders up here, if you'd like someone to pray with you, they would be happy to do with that. Or you can kneel at the altar and you can pray there. There's going to be a lot of movement. It's okay. God is on the move. Amen. But let us worship the Lord. Let us proclaim to our Heavenly Father, I trust God. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, I've said it as best I know how to say it. There's no greater lesson you have taught me than I trust God. I trust you no matter what you do with my future. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And Father, more than anything, I want this for these people that call me pastor. What a great, huge honor and privilege it is. And so, Father, I pray for the, the one that's struggling right now. And they know there's something they need to let go of and they need to say, I trust God because they've been trusting themselves and they've been holding on and they've been stepping back from you and they need to step forward. Would you help them to just let go, to write it down, put it in there and let go of it. Father, and for the one that needs to come back this morning because they were wounded and maybe they, maybe they need to forgive you, Father. I just pray that you would open their heart and allow them, allow the Holy Spirit to come in and speak and wipe away the past and let us surrender and trust God. We sanctify this moment by your name and we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen.